Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They love you one minute and hate you the next. They seem to cause trouble in all their relationships. And they'll go from sweet and loving to furious and lashing out seemingly overnight. Yep, that's life when a loved one has borderline personality disorder or BPD for short. Today, I'm going to explain exactly what BPD is. We've heard a lot of things and a lot of untruths and you don't even know which way is up, but I'm going to explain it all today. And then I'm going to go over the top ways you can help others and yourself when anyone is struggling with BPD. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your ever-loving host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. I am, as always, so happy to have you here. You know I am happy and excited every time I do the podcast. If you are watching me on YouTube, hello, you're seeing my beautiful, lovely black sweater, hopefully not a bra. Okay. And um, if you are watching me there, please, uh, if you like the video, please like it and subscribe on YouTube. It's a great way to 
you know, check out the podcast if you like to have a visual along, although it's just me chatting with you. But uh, and otherwise, if you're on Spotify, please rate the podcast there and Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It means a lot. I read every review and it really means a lot. It's a great way to help me help the podcast reach even more people. We are growing every month. It's very exciting. And, uh, you know, anyway, you know, I love being here with you. And so the more you can support, the better, the longer we can do it. Although we are over 200 episodes, which is, was a pipe dream a few years ago. So thank you for being here with me. I know you have a lot of ways to spend your time. So I do want to say before we jump in that I take off four weeks a year from the podcast. I take off two weeks in July in between seasons, and then I take off two weeks at the end of December. So uh, when this one drops, um, I do record these earlier, but when this one drops, this it should be somewhere in the beginning of December. So I'm uh, giving you a little heads up that the last two weeks I won't you there won't be a new episode dropping we'll come back in january um, but i will be back and in the meantime you know there's over 200 episodes so if you haven't listened to them all it's a great time to go back in the catalog and listen to an old one go on the website i have all the episodes listed there so all of them are there if you can't find them on another platform on pandora or spotify or wherever you might be listening sometimes they cut them off you know they only have 100 episodes at a time so you can find everything there and you can also search if there's just a topic you're maybe you're interested in trauma or people pleasing or boundaries or whatever just do a search on the website and all the goodies will come popping up and you can you know curate what you're listening or to or or reading if you want to read the blog so just want to say all that we all deserve a little time off it's the way i stay really fresh for the podcast is taking off those few weeks a year and making sure that i'm giving you know great value when i come back so before we get going on today's topic, because it's big, and thank you for all of you who wrote in and asked about this in various ways, I do want to give two kind of caveats or two warnings or whatever those words are. So I want to say first, don't diagnose people. <laughs> do not diagnose your loved ones. If you think someone that you love or know falls into this category of having BPD, then do everything in your power to have them assessed by a trained mental health professional instead of just telling them what they have. I, I know it seems like I'm going to give you all the symptoms today and I'm going to talk about it from the standpoint. So you might walk away from the podcast going, oh, I, I can diagnose someone, you know, you can't and you shouldn't. I shouldn't even be diagnosing people from afar and I'm trained. <laughs> so if I've never met someone and someone's describing their mom or their, you know, one of my clients, it happens a lot. They'll describe their mom or their brother or their husband or whoever. And I'm talking to my client and it sounds like they have BPD. You know, it sounds like maybe that's there, but I'm always very clear with them that I cannot diagnose from afar if I haven't met the person. Um, it's, you know, not what we do. So, you know, and so that's saying that in it. So if someone you love has definitively had this diagnosis, you know, they have been diagnosed with BPD. I want you to do your best to get consistent professional support for yourself. That is really, those are the two things I just want to say first. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I have a little cough today. I apologize. I just got over being a little sick. And there's a little something still hanging out. So um, bear with me and my craggly voice. Okay. So what exactly is 
a personality disorder. Before we get into what BPD is, I want to really educate you. That is what this podcast is about. It is for smart people who want to actually be educated and not just have a 30 second soundbite about something and to understand things. So I have talked about personality disorders a little before on the podcast. You know, we, I've talked about narcissism and gaslighting and some other things. But as always, I want to give you a clear understanding of, of really what personality disorders are. And then we'll talk about borderline personality disorder very specifically, okay? So because it'll help you understand what borderline is if you understand personality, what a personality disorder is. And personality disorders are different than... Uh, mood disorders, which is what we usually talk about, you know, depression, anxiety, bipolar, you know, we hear about all these mood disorders, right? And we talk about them all the time. But personality disorders at their core are very different. They're about the ways people relate to themselves and other people. That's what a personality disorder is. Well, a mood disorder is really about uh, uh, the patterns that people have in their emotions. Does that, I think I said that well, actually, that is the difference. So there are four main defining features of personality disorders. These are the the four things we always see, uh, no matter what the personality disorder is. There's some kind of difficulty with emotional regulation. When we say emotional regulation, we mean someone's having trouble with their emotional responses. You know, you, they may be get triggered very easily or they they start crying or yelling or get angry or whatever you know they have some sort of you know the <clears throat> the punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime you know you ask them to pass the salt and they lose their crap right that that's poor emotional regulation right or just somebody always gets mad you know if you give them feedback that's poor emotional regulation it, it you don't always have to get mad because someone's giving you feedback okay so the second thing we see is some sort of distorted thinking pattern Okay, and that I think is self-explanatory. They're they're thinking they have a lot of illogical premises, a lot of ways that they put things together that um, don't make sense. So um, they'll often leap to certain conclusions, and you're like, "How did you get there?" You know, you're talking about gorillas, and they start talking about ketchup, and you're like, "What happened? Wait, wait, how did we get over there?" Um, in a personal relationship, uh, that could be distorted thinking about. you know, themselves and how they look and their body. It could be distorted thinking. Sometimes they think they have more power than they do in some odd way. Um, That can be from a very small way to an extreme way. I'll talk more about that. The third thing is they have uh, rocky interpersonal relationships and a lot of kind of interpersonal or relationship problems. We see that a lot. And then uh, the fourth thing is uh, an it's kind of related to number one, I guess. It's an under or over-regulated impulse control. So they either have, you know, uh, so in other words, their impulse control is either crazy, like they have no impulse control, or they are just, they have no impulses, it seems like, because there's nothing, you know, they just never do kind of anything. They just are like kind of flat. So you'll see one of those two things. Okay. Now, So when these four kind of qualities combine in different ways, that's how we get a personality disorder. And there are 10 personality disorders identified in the big book that we, we, meaning mental health professionals and doctors, et cetera, use to diagnose people. And that's, I've talked about it before on here. It's called the DSM, 
and it stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Doesn't that sound terrible <laughs> when you say it, mental disorder? But any, you know, everything that's in that book from everything from, you know, uh, gosh, from, again, any of these mood disorders to a learning disability, you know, anything that's kind of a mental disorder is in this big book. And basically, you know, that we, meaning professionals, go through and go, oh, someone says they're depressed. Well, do they fit the criteria for depression? Just saying you're depressed or thinking they seem depressed, you know, isn't enough. They have to fit a certain criteria, which are outlined in this book. Makes sense, right? For any diagnosis, you have that. And uh, right now, uh, the DSM is in, um, it, it's the DSM-5-TR, meaning it's the fifth edition of it. And uh, it's called, it's, it's text revision. It's kind of what they do before they go to a DSM-6. You know, they do this TR usually. The, you know, that's what they sort of do and or they have in the last couple editions. And just to be clear, there's things that show up in the DSM. You know, homosexuality was in the DSM, I want to say three. Someone can correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't, it was in my lifetime, um, sadly. Yeah. So, you know, obviously mistakes are made in there. It's all a learning and a progress. We don't have, for example, anything in there right now for, um, you know, like, uh, being addicted to video games or something, you know, that's not technically exactly in there like that, but will likely be in a sixth edition. You know, it's always sort of catching up and the field is very conservative. So, uh, but this is basically the big book we use, right? Whenever we're diagnosing something. So these 10 different personality disorders are grouped in that big book into three clusters. And they're, and I'm going to just do this very briefly and we're going to get into it in case some of you are so excited right now, like, ooh, what is that? What is that? And other people are like, get to it, Abby. So, uh, but hey, just hang out. You'll learn. There's a cluster A, B, and C. And basically A is kind of the odd or more eccentric ones, like uh, paranoid personality disorder, schizotypal, we call it schizoid, those kinds of things, right? Um, there's a lot of social awkwardnesses here, you know, awkwardness here, right? Um, and distorted thinking. There's a lot of that distorted thinking. Cluster B is known as the, and that's where borderline is, is known as the kind of dramatic, emotional, or erratic cluster. And this one includes uh, borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, among some others. And I'm telling you this here because someone with borderline can easily be misdiagnosed as narcissistic because they can seem very similar because they're in this little cluster together, right? Um, so the disorders here in this little cluster B are, are really dominated by problems with impulse control and emotional regulation. That's what we see. And just because I'll finish it, there is a cluster C that's kind of more known as the anxious or fear, fearful cluster, for lack of a better term. And that's where we have avoidant personality disorder, obsessive personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, other things you've heard me talk about on the podcast. Um, and really, that cluster C is just what dominates it is a high level of anxiety. Okay, so there you go. So now I told you all that so you could really understand where borderline personality disorder fits in. So what are people with this? Like, what, what is this exactly? And really, people with BPD, they have a very hard time regulating their emotions. And these are the people that 
feel their emotions more intensely and for longer periods of time than other people. And, you know, oop, I keep knocking things, sorry. So because of this, they have, they have a hard time sort of coming back to, to normal, so to speak, once they've been triggered by something. You know, once they're off the rails, it's harder for them to get back in the lane. Uh, then again, someone who doesn't have that problem and who, because we all can go off the rails, right? Anybody's, it's possible to go off the rails. The difference is how intensely that's felt, how long that goes on, and how long it takes to come back to some kind of uh, what we call homeostasis or, or quote unquote normal. So, so I, I, I'm talking about this in the podcast because so many people have written in about it, but I will say that in the US, and I'm going to talk about other countries in a minute, but in the US, about it's about one, it's, it's, the research shows that about 1.6% of adults in the U.S., that's that's about 4 million people, give or take, have BPD. And about 75% of those are women. I know. And there's definitely been some research more recently suggesting that Actually, men are equally affected by borderline, but that they're misdiagnosed so often. And usually that's with uh, narcissism, depression, or PTSD. So the PTSD or the depression is really the two, not the narcissism as much, but um, they'll get misdiagnosed with those and they don't see that there's that actually this more serious um, diagnosis or this other diagnosis, because they all can be serious, also lurking about. And you got to remember that you can have a personality disorder and a mood disorder all at the same time. You know, you you can have more than one disorder going on. So you can be depressed and be borderline. So, uh, right, you know, you can have these things um, all together. Okay. Now, and I'm just going to do other countries briefly. I can't do all, you know, we're, this podcast is heard in over, it's, I don't know what we're at now. It's definitely over 170 countries. Thank you. I love you all. Uh, so I, I'm not going to look up, I wasn't going to look up statistics in 170 countries, but I looked up a few for perspective. Um, Canada, not shockingly, is very similar to the US. And the, with them, it's an estimated 1% to 2% of people, again, mostly women being diagnosed. In Australia, and by the way, Australia, last week we were number 64 in relationships in Australia. I just on, you know, the top 100. So thank you, Australia. Um, (laughs) It was so cool. Uh, I get a lot of emails from Australia too, which I always really enjoy. I enjoy them from everywhere though, so keep writing. Anyway, so in Australia, the numbers are between 2 and 6%, again, with the majority being women diagnosed. So again, very similar numbers. Great bit, Great Britain, the numbers were also similar. They came in around 4.4%. And again, the majority of those being diagnosed are women. There's all kinds of things we can say about that. We just, we do know though, that it's not that more women necessarily, like I said, get it. It's that there are more women diagnosed. So um I could do a whole podcast on why I think that's true, but I'm not going to. Again, beyond the fact that men are misdiagnosed. But anyway, okay. So let's talk about symptoms of borderline personality disorder. That's really that's why you paid to be here today, right? You're like, what are the symptoms, Abby? Tell me what they are. So there's a few, there are a few specific kind of characteristics of people with BPD. Now, I do want to just say someone is likely not going to have all of these, but they're going to have at least, you know, 
three probably if they're in this official diagnosis. And I'm not diagnosing officially or doing any of that right now. I am telling you, you know, we're, we're doing this just me and you. Okay. So the first one, not hard to guess, is that there's this intense relationships. There's a lot of intense relationship with lots of conflict, lots of instability that, by the way, they often seem to create, you know, they'll get themselves into situations that create the instability or the rockiness or the craziness. They'll, you know, insert themselves where they don't belong. They'll, you know, it just seems like things are always happening to them. That That's kind of what happens in their lives. They end up with uh, you know, so-and-so tried to cheat me and this person was this. And I, you know, it always seems to be happening to them. Uh, they definitely, one of the big things we see is that they view things in extremes. So it's all good or all bad. You're all good or all bad. They can go from loving you to hating you in five seconds, you know, very quickly. The other thing we see a lot with BPD is self-harm cutting, suicide attempts, suicide threats. There's a, a lot of that kind of talk and stuff going on often. So when I'm doing a, um, uh, you know, when I'm doing a background on someone and I'm, you know, listening to their history, I can often tell right away when I, when there's this history of, again, kind of self-harm attempts, some cutting or suicide attempts or lots of threats or lots of in and out coupled with a lot of just kind of just always just a crazy background for lack of better. And I say that with so much love in my heart. There's just so much stuff. There's so many intense things that have happened to them, around them, with them. Uh, and it often, you know, starts my spidey senses lighting up. Okay. Another symptom is an intense fear of abandonment. And so I mean intense. Everybody on some level has the fear of abandonment, but with BPD, it's really strong, you know. And so because of that, no one can ever do enough for them. So we see that a lot, you know, no matter what you do for this person, it's never enough. They want more. Um, this is also the kind of person who will get into a relationship like deep really quickly because, again, they have this intense fear of abandonment. So they'll try to kind of get right in there and get hooked in very, very quickly. Um, Another symptom we see a lot with BPD is that there are major changes uh, in their self-identity, in their self-image uh, all the time. Like, so how that might look is that they might have really, their goals are always shifting. Their, what they say they want to do for a living is always shifting. What they, um, the, you know, how they talk about um, what's important to them one day could be very different than the next. Uh, their values can change seemingly overnight. Uh, their self-image will get damaged. Sometimes they'll see themselves as really just kind of horrible humans or invisible humans. Um, <clears throat> so this is the way that shows up. Another symptom is very impulsive or risky behavior. So you might see, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, eating disorders, gambling, unsafe sex, uh, spending sprees, right? Now, I do want to say, so, and this is the reason you're not supposed to diagnose anyone. Sometimes people can have those things um, during times of, like, I might, or not me, but somebody might 
uh, do too many drugs or drink too much when they're really, really happy. They're just having this elevated mood or all this energy and they're out spending money or having sex or doing these things. And that can often be a symptom of a mood disorder like bipolar and not borderline personality disorder. So this is why we in the field call this a differential diagnosis when we're, you know, again, a lot of these things can seem very similar. And so our job as professionals is not, is yes, we look at these lists and we understand, we open our DSM and we see what the criteria are, but we also have a sense after so many years of doing things, like I said earlier, you know, if I start to see certain things on a, in, in an intake, you know, as I'm assessing someone, I start, my wheels are churning in the back and I'm starting to already differentially diagnose. I'm already starting to go, huh, I wonder if this is this or this. Now I'm going to ask about that to try to rule things out or rule things in. So it's not as easy as looking at a list and saying, oh, the person fits all these because I got to tell you at any given time, a person can look depressed or they could, or couldn't be, or it might not be depression. It might be alcoholism or it might not be alcoholism, it might be bipolar disorder, or it might not be bipolar disorder. You know what I'm saying? Like at any given time, it can look like different things. And that is again why I implore you not to use your Google degree and instead to uh, get people professionally assessed. Okay. Another thing I see with BPD a lot that we see a lot is ending things impulsively. So this person might leave a great job or even a happy relationship like overnight, like very impulsively. Um, mood swings are another one often lasting from a few hours to a few days. So that could be, but the mood swings could be, you know, rage and lashing out, intense happiness, uh, uh, oh, oh, really, um, low feelings of, you know, shame or anxiety. Like, so it can go all over the map. Another thing we see are sometimes feelings of disassociation, um, like someone feeling cut off from their body or their feelings, you know, having this sense of unreality. Okay. Those are the biggies. And I'm just going to throw in a few others that I commonly see with this diagnosis. As I mentioned earlier, like this history of suicide attempts, threats, or cutting, or just hospitalizations. Um, but I also, I often see lots of job changes, getting fired or laid off a lot. And you might say, well, people can't help getting laid off, you know, or, but again, it just seems to follow these folks. Um, starting but not completing things like a degree, uh, uh, or again, like an interest in a kind of job and you start it and then all of a sudden it's something else, projects around the house that are never completed. Again, someone might have ADHD and that's why they never complete jobs around the house. So again, it could be a lot of things, but when we see a lot of the things I'm mentioning together clustered, then we start to think. Um, and again, like I said, these conflict filled relationships, just a lot of chaos in their life. Um, sometimes like abortions, unplanned pregnancies, accidents, fights, uh, STDs or STIs, we now call them sexually transmitted infections, right? Uh, chronic pain, all these physical issues you'll see just thing after thing. And yeah, it's like real, you know, uh, I've had clients with BPD who had, who really did have cancer, who really did have, you know, other physical things, but it's just thing after thing after thing. It, it's um, as soon as one thing gets cleared up, it's another. It's it's just it's incredible. Like so, it's not that they're not real. Like I said, it's just that somehow these people get a lot of it. So I'm 
you know, the next natural question always to have is, okay, well, what causes borderline per personality disorder, right? What causes BPD? And I'll tell you that we don't know exactly what causes any personality disorder, but we do know that there's, there's kind of three contributing main factors. And one is your genetics. You're at a higher risk of any mental disorder if someone in your family has had it. Any mental disorder, that's why one of the first questions we ask if you come in and let's say we diagnose depression, one of the first things we ask, or if we're not sure if you have it, is that's the first thing I'm asking, like, oh, do you have a family member with this? Or does anybody have alcoholism? Or is it, you know, I'm always looking at the family because it's one of the indicators. Uh, it's usually um, in the line. And sometimes you will see um, maybe even like, let's say drug addiction or something in your generation, and you don't see any in your parents, but you do, you know, as I'm talking to someone, they'll say, oh yeah, well, my dad was always depressed at home or <laughs> my mom was super anxious, you know. It shows up in different ways sometimes. Uh, and then, you know, the symptoms can change where the underlying thing is this anxiety or depression. Okay. The second thing are environmental factors. So, of course, you know, a really, just any kind of really super stressful childhood, um, childhood abuse, neglect, all of them are associated with BPD. And I just, as I always mention when I talk about trauma or anything, this can be anything from being separated from a parent when you were young, maybe your parents divorced when you were young and your, your, one of your parents moved away and you, you didn't see them very often after that. Um, obviously, there's something really clear like sexual abuse, but uh, you could have also had a caregiver who did drugs or was a drug addict or had mental health issues or uh, uh, chronic, you know, some chronic debilitating disease. I, I went with a client recently who's, um, dad had uh, terminal cancer for years, like was in, almost died. I don't know how many times. And, you know, that is traumatic to live with. So you can imagine. Okay. And the third thing is our brain abnormalities. Re research has uh, definitely shown changes in certain areas of the brain that are involved in emotional regulation, impulsivity, uh, aggression, and Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. there's been evidence of neurotransmitters not functioning properly. So now the problem with these kind of studies is that because we don't, you can't tell were, if, the dis, if those differences, these changes in the brain were, they were risk factors that were already there, right? Like you were born with them and then develop BPD, or 
if these brain changes were caused by having BPD. We just know that they are connected. Does that make sense? So, cause you know, you can't like, I get diagnosed at 30 with BPD. There's no, I don't have a brain scan of when I was born usually. <laughs> so you can't tell when those changes happen. But we do know that people with BPD, when their brain scans are compared to people without, we do see these changes. So we do know that. Okay. Um, now, so how does BPD show up in relationships? That's right. That's why you're listening, probably. And people with BPD tend to view the world in this sort of black and white, all or nothing thinking. So, and when they do this, they easily, I mean, really easily misinterpret, uh, misunderstand the, the words, the feelings, the actions, um, the motivations of other people. They just, they don't get it. It's like they, they're not really understanding what's happening around them. So, and because they're seeing the world in this way, they have these very intense emotional reactions. And remember, what do I always say? We feel the way we think, right? We feel the way we think. So then because of that, they're thinking these kind of thoughts that aren't really correct. They then have a hard time regulating the feelings that come out because the thoughts are so over the top. So, and then the more they can't regulate how they're feeling, the more upset they become. And that often leads to what I see is very just self-destructive and impulsive behaviors, right? I, you can imagine. And they end up, really what happens, which is the heartbreak, I think, is that this kind of skewed thinking actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm going to give you an example of a gentleman I worked with about a year ago, <clears throat> maybe a little more now, <laughs> time flies. But I was working with this gentleman and his wife had BPD and he was, he'd been coming to me for a little while. He was trying to deal with her and she just was, they'd been, uh, I think they'd been married. They, it was a second marriage for both of them. They'd kind of fallen in love in a whirlwind romance. They got married very quickly. They were in their early fifties. He was in his early fifties. I think she might've been late forties. And he didn't see a lot of this stuff right away, right? And it showed up and it just seemed in the beginning like there was all this sort of intense, you know, passionate, wondrous things going on. And then it kind of shifted when you get to living with someone. And so he was coming to me for a while. And during that, he started to have um, heart palpitations. He, he started to have these symptoms, like he would get some tachycardia, he would have some sweating. He felt like his blood sugar would drop. Anyway, it was it was making him really anxious, as you might imagine. And he and I were talking, and it wasn't related to her BPD. He just this was also he's a fifty something year old man who was smoking and a little overweight, and he was <laughs> having some health issues. So he was going to the doctor and getting tests and things. And he he was talking to me, and he told me he said I'm not telling her about this because she'll freak out. Whenever anything is going on, she just, she overreacts, she gets so upset and I have enough to deal with right now. So I'm just going to deal with this on my own. But what was happening and he and I were talking about it because I was telling him, I didn't think he should do that. I said, you know, she's going to pick up on, and she was, she was picking up on his, he was being, he was distracted as you might imagine, right? You're not sure what's going on with your health. You, you don't feel good. You're worried. And he was getting some stuff that he might've had a blocked valve. And anyway, um, he was getting all that checked out. And she 
was getting very upset because he was acting distant and he was being a little quiet with her. So of course she noticed it and she started to spin and she was going crazy. She started accusing him of cheating, right? Cause she, again, the BPD, she was going like way over there, quiet and a little disconnected, a little distance means you're cheating on me. And she accused him. And so at this point, right, he finally, he told her the truth. I was begging him. I was like, you've got to tell her like at this, like you just have to tell her. So he does finally tell her, hey, it's actually this heart thing. I've been going to the doctor, but she doesn't believe him. She thinks he's lying to cover up the cheating. At this point, she's already been going crazy, right? And over the next few months, and he was okay, by the way, he got it checked. He, you know, he had to do, he had to change his diet and do some stuff and, you know, be, get, he had to get on some medication and stuff, but he, he, he was okay. But over the next few months, months, she started going crazier and crazier with the cheating thing. She was, had him followed. She, she asked friends to follow him. He, he figured this out later. Um, she was breaking into his phone, his email accounts. She was stalking his social media. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff and he kept confronting her about it and she just kept spinning. So what happened was he got so sick of her behavior that he did, in fact, finally choose to leave. He couldn't handle it. So she created this self-fulfilling prophecy. She was so afraid of him leaving, right? She was so jealous of other people, even though there was nobody there. Trust me, I was doing therapy with him. There was nobody else there. Um, and she created all this craziness so that he actually finally left. And then, of course, she says, see, I was right. And she wasn't right. This kind of stuff I see a lot with someone with BPD, this kind of way that their life seems to follow the things they believe, but it's really because of how they're acting in their life that's creating a lot of it. So how can you help someone struggling with BPD? What can you do if you find yourself, if this is your partner or if this is your brother or your mom or someone in your life, you're like, okay, what do I do, Abby? It's really nice. I understand it now. I understand where it comes from. I, I see the crazy. They match all these things you're talking about. What can I do? And I will tell you that first and foremost, there's very little you can do on your own to help someone struggling with BPD. Your best bet is to figure out a way to get them to a professional trained in helping someone with BPD. So for example, it's not my specialty. I've worked with people with BPD before, but generally, I actually, usually I can screen out people that have that and I send them to someone else who'd be better suited to deal with them. The way my practice is set up, the way I set up doing things, I, you know, I, that's not for me. This is someone who usually who would be emailing me a lot or calling me a lot or texting me a lot. And that's not just not the kind of clients I have anymore. It's not the kind of work I do anymore. I don't deal with people in crisis anymore. Um, not that kind of crisis anyway. Uh, so, so I, and I'm not specialized in the kind of training that is best to actually help them. So you really do want to make sure that you get somebody who is trained and effective. And I will tell you that there's one main type of therapy that's been proven effective for borderline personality disorder. And that's something called dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT. So I apologize for all of the <laughs> initials today, right? BPD, DBT, LMNOP, you're going to hear them all. But 
DBT or dialectical beha behavioral therapy, it was in fact specifically developed to treat people with borderline personality disorder. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about DBT right now. It was developed in the 70s by a, she was an American psychologist, I'm 99% sure, uh, Marsha, I think it's Linehan, I want to say, Line, Linehan, Linehan, um, I'll do it correctly on my blog, <laughs> so I apologize. But uh, DBT is a, it's a type of talk therapy, basically, and it's based on cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which you've heard about a lot. Um, CBT is pretty much what all therapy is based on, um, which it just helps people understand how their, how their thoughts affect their feelings and subsequent actions, right? Because you feel the way you think. So if you can change what you're thinking, you can change what you're feeling, and you can have a different life, right? I, I talk about CBT stuff all the time. It's really about reframing what you're thinking in a new light so you can feel differently, right, about whatever the thing is. Okay, so Marsha took CBT and like amped it up and really made this incredible, and it's been expounded over the years of research now, and it's really, DBT is really a special form of therapy. It's wonderful. It's wonderful for more things than just um, borderline. Uh, I do want to say that, but anyway. So dialectical means combining opposite ideas. So dialectical behavioral therapy is is this idea of uh, combining opposite ideas, meaning it, it's helping, it focuses on helping people accept the reality while seeing that reality in a new light. Does that make sense, right? This, this, this is kind of the opposites coming together. So this is your reality, but you don't have to see it the way you've been seeing it. You can see it in this other way. And that way you can change, you can create change and you can better, better regulate these unhealthy emotions and impulses. So, and it's, so the way DBT is done, it's basically a skills training. And sometimes it's, it's usually done in groups actually, or uh, the places I refer to here in the Bay Area, it's like a, like a place, you know, where I refer and there's therapists there, there's groups, they do individual work, the group work where they learn the skills. But, but again, therapists, individual therapists can be trained to work with people individually too. So I, I don't, you, you don't have to go to like a, an agency or a clinic to get DBT. Um, you can't, but again, you need someone who is trained in it, not just someone who says they read a book, but someone who's trained in it. I'm not. So I could tell you all the stuff and I could, you know, go over it like I am today, but I, you wouldn't send the person to me. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not just about being a great therapist or someone who's really talented. It's about someone who knows this. Okay. Just like if you had cancer, you wouldn't go to your primary care physician. You'd go to an oncologist. You'd go to a specialist. And we should treat mental health the same way. You should be going to specialists when there's a need for that. So, the, so this training in DBT is focused on four main skills. One of them I talk about all the friggin' time, which is mindfulness. It is. So the first skill people learn is mindfulness. So it's, you know, staying fully aware, you know, focused in the present moment, not worrying about the past or being anxious about the future, right? The second skill they learn is distress tolerance, meaning they learn how to manage and understand their, the emotions that crop up when you're in a stressful situation. They learn how to tolerate stress. That's what they're learning. And, you know, you, you tolerate the stress without responding with some kind of harmful or unhealthy behavior. 
The third skill they learn is interpersonal effectiveness, right? You know, understanding how to ask for what you need, how to set boundaries, uh, how to, you know, being respectful of yourself and others. And then the fourth thing that they learn is emotional regulation, which is really understanding their emotions, uh, being aware that they're having an emotion, and then obviously kind of control over the emotions or being able to regulate them. So these four skills are taught sometimes over like a three-month course, sometimes in, you know, different kinds of ways. And uh, it's incredibly effective. It's, I kind of think as DBT is sort of almost like a spiritual cognitive behavioral therapy mixed with, again, these very specific skills. And if, when I talk about those skills, you can probably think of a lot of people you know who could benefit from DBT and learning those skills. And that's why I say it's not just, even though it was created for BPD, it's not just for people with BPD. It's for really people who are having trouble um, regulating emotions. And so it's being more widely used now and uh, over across more, um, more problems, which is wonderful because again, it's an evidence-based model. So it's kind of wonderful. All right. But if there are some things you can do on your own to help. I like there, there are. And as I said, getting professional help is top of the list when it comes to, to really truly helping in the long term someone with BPD and creating changes. But there, there's a couple things you can do to even just help that along, to help the person get professional help. And first and foremost is to have strong, clear, consistent boundaries. A person with BPD is often all over the place. So it's important that you're not reacting to them. Some days they'll praise you. The next they lash out in anger. Your job is to make sure that, you know, the, uh, you know, that the tail doesn't wag the dog. That is the best way to say that. That's what happens a lot. You should be leading, not following in this relationship. You should be the one. What happens a lot is the BPD person is so kind of, there's so much going on. There's so much craziness in different ways that you're always reacting to that. And that can't be because now we're letting the person who has sort of a fear-based mindset lead, lead the team. No, it needs to be you. So whether this is at work, whether this is with a family member, your mom, your partner, it doesn't matter. You want to be thinking, what are my boundaries? What do I tolerate or not tolerate? What, how do I act in the world? So no matter how they act, you're the steady ship with clear and consistent responses to any unhealthy behavior you see in them. So, you know, this could be that if they're always threatening suicide, if someone's threatening suicide, your response needs to be, next time you threaten suicide, I'm gonna call 911. And uh, I'm, I'm just telling you what I'm gonna do. I, because a lot of times there's some emotional blackmail there. They'll say, well, if you don't do this, then I'm just gonna kill myself, or I'm gonna never speak to you again, or I'm gonna whatever. And they're doing that to, you know, manipulate you into acting a certain way. And you need to get out of the emotional blackmail. And if you're, if they're saying they're going to kill themselves, I would take that as a credible threat. And I would immediately call 911. End of. You, you don't have to diagnose them. You don't have to stop them from doing it. They might run out of the house and you can say, that's fine. You can run, but I'm going to send the police after you and I'm, we're going to find you and you're going to end up in a, in a 5150 because, you know, and I can't say that they would never hurt themselves, but it's, 
it's not my experience usually that BPD people actually, I don't like the two suicides I've had in my career were not people with BPD. Um, they were people very severe, severe depression. Um, you know, suicide is rare. Uh, it's scary and terrifying when people are threatening it or threatening they're going to cut themselves or whatever else. But again, you're not equipped to handle it. You need to call a professional. So you need to let them know. That's a clear and consistent boundary. You don't have to get upset. You don't have to yell and scream about it, but you can tell them. If they lash out at you, you can, again, have a boundary. You know, I told you last time that the next time you lashed out at me like this, I was going to leave the room. So I'm leaving. But then you have to follow through. What do I always say about boundaries, right? Boundaries are just a wish unless you actually follow through on what you say you're going to do. This is about you, not them. This is about you. And it's about containment. Whenever we have, um, Every rehab, for example, I've ever worked in, there's always going to be a borderline person coming in. It always happens. They come in and they get very disruptive to the community unless you really work on containing them. So the rules, you follow the rules, you don't give in, you don't give an inch, you don't give an inch. It's containment, containment, containment. It's a consistent, consistent boundary without yelling, without screaming, without frustration, without rolling your eyes. It is like, this is what's going to happen. If you do that, I understand. And, but then I'm going to do this. That's how it is. Or I'm doing this and you can come along or not. Like, but this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this thing, or I'm having this, or I'm going this place. And you know, if you'd like to come, that's great. If you don't want to, I understand. And then that's it. And then you just go, stop talking. So it's all about you not saying what you're going to do or what's going to happen. It's about doing it. It's about following through. There is nothing more effective than you having clear and consistent boundaries. And that is the time that I've seen people with BPD finally go to therapy or finally be willing to do something when pe the people around them it, it just have such a clear, clear boundary that the person kind of almost has no choice if they want to, you know, keep existing in that orbit with you. They end up finally doing something. I've had people at work with, you know, a coworker who has BPD. And again, just staying clear. And that person with BPD usually quits. They usually quit anyway. So it's, you know, don't let them ruin your life while, while they're there. Again, we don't want to do it with anger. We don't want to do it with uh, fury or F you or anything else. We just want to do it from that loving, clear place. So boundaries, 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 consistency is your is what it's about. The second thing you can do is learn about BPD as well as the basics of this dialectical behavioral therapy I told you about. If if a person you loved had cancer you'd likely learn all you could and understand the treatments offered, uh, everything you could know about the kind of cancer they have so you could converse knowingly with them, so you could support them in their decision-making, so you could you know, really be a part of the solution. So the same strategy should apply for mental illness, not just physical illness. It's the same thing, but I'm always amazed at how little people will learn about drug addiction or alcoholism or uh, depression or anxiety or, you know, borderline or whatever else it is. I'm amazed at how little people will learn about it who are in a relationship in some way with someone who has it. 
It is because we discount mental illness. We think people are doing it to themselves, uh, certainly with drug and alcohol, and no one made them drink, you know, that kind of crap. Um, it's a disease. We know that. My gosh, I did a whole episode about it. You know, it's real. These things are real. They are real chemical. We know BPD is real chemical changes in the brain. It's not made up. So treat it like real changes. It's truly an illness. So as you would with a physical illness, I also don't think you'd yell at someone who had cancer and came out of remission, like, oh, I can't do this again with you. I just can't. I can't go through this again. I don't think you would do that. I Same with if someone is more uh, solid and stable in their BPD diagnosis, but has a relapse of some sort or has some sort of crazy way they go or something happens, I would expect you to not give, throw up your hands and say, that's it. I'm too tired of this. Instead, to go back, to draw your boundaries, to have clarity. But it doesn't mean you have to cut them out of your life. It doesn't mean that you have to just, you know, write them off or be mad at them. You, there are other ways to handle this. And, and the last way you can help the most, which I already stated earlier, is to get support and counseling for yourself. The stronger you are and the more able you are to be supportive while holding these consistent boundaries is absolutely positively the better off that they will be, that these people will be, right? I, without a doubt. So, so that is it. We have covered in huge detail <laughs> BPD, borderline personality disorder, what it's about, what you what it really is, where it comes from, what you can do, what treatment really helps. And I will as a last note just say that medication is not something that we normally have for BPD. Um really because it's a personality disorder, not a mood disorder. So that's uh but there are depending on what other constellation of symptoms this person might have, medication could be effective in some ways for it but it's not really the first line of defense. So, uh, but again, the, the, a professional <laughs> person should be making those decisions with uh, you and your loved one and all those people together. Okay. Woo, that was a lot. We went down the road. We were deep. We were together. <laughs> so again, a reminder that uh, in a couple weeks when I'm not here with you, you know, I'm here with love. It's a great time to go through the back catalog on the, on my website, go to my website, go hang out. There's so much there. There's so many free things. There's always notes. Like if you just listen to all this and you're thinking, oh my God, I can't remember all that on the website right now under relationship tips and tools. That's where my blog is. There is a blog post about this with everything written down with the links, with all the goods. So it's just such an easy way to do all that. And again, if you're watching this on YouTube, you know, go back through my old YouTube videos, go way back. I, I used to do very different videos before I started videoing the podcast about a year ago. Um, I used to do other kinds of topics and talk about them and they were much shorter videos. Um, but there's a ton of them. And so they're all about 15 minutes or less. It might be really fun to do that, you know, in the couple weeks that I'm gone. Um, and, you know, still have your little dose of Abby. And I could have my little dose of you, which would make me happy. All right, that's it. I hope you have an amazing week. I just love and adore you. I'm so, always so touched that you're here with me. I'm so happy that you write in, let me know what's working and what's not, and how I can help you best. 
So have a great week. Be kind to yourself and others. And I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.